Over the last 20 or so episodes of Attached to Hygiene, we have talked a lot about menstrual health, whether it be in our six-episode series on the menstrual health market or in our regional market overviews. We've covered a lot of topics and information relating to menstrual health and period care. But one market that we've admittedly neglected is the India market. The global period care market is expected to grow by around 30 billion units by 2026. And roughly half of that growth is expected to come from India alone. So, clearly it is a market with a ton of growth potential. But while some brands have found success in the market, that growth potential, combined with how consumer expectations are changing, means that it is becoming an increasingly challenging place to succeed. Luckily, Bostic is here to help. Welcome to Attached to Hygiene, the podcast that enables you to grow your knowledge and influence in the absorbent hygiene industry. My name is Jack Hughes, and my mission is to help you, the absorbent hygiene article producer, design and produce the best possible products to meet the needs of your customers. On today's episode, we're speaking with Chirag Virani, co-founder of Sparkle. He and his co-founder Hetzel launched their first pad into the India market in 2019 and have been working to grow their young business ever since. But while he is new to the hygiene industry, he knows what he's talking about when it comes to the India market, given that he and Hetzel have been able to grow their young company despite starting just before the COVID-19 pandemic. In the first part of this interview, Chirag will be sharing his insights on the Indian period care market, like size and growth potential, which products are currently succeeding, and how the consumer expectations and preferences in the market are changing. Then, on our next episode, he'll share some of the challenges Sparkle has seen from a producer standpoint, as well as the ones he has seen as a male founder in the industry. Joining me today to discuss the menstrual health market in India is Chirag Virani. Chirag, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. We're happy to have you too. So as with all our guests, you know, I like to have them introduce themselves. So I'll have you introduce yourself, your role and your background in the industry. For sure. Let me just start by, again, already you mentioned my name. So I'm Chirag Virani. I'm co-founder at Sparkle. So we are two co-founders. I uh, uh, pretty much look after the creative and the technical side of the business. So I'm, uh, I come from the technical background. I'm an engineer. So I look at the product development. I look at uh, R&D. And uh, a little bit uh, outside my scope of work is I also look at marketing. We Our other co-founder, Hetal, uh, she is a chartered accountant and a lawyer. She looks at all the number-related things. So all the financial stuff, legal stuff. She also happens to be my wife, uh, just on the side note. So uh, we are pretty much trying to develop sustainable period care products as our first part of our journey. And then we're also looking into a number of other products. But for now, we have developed uh, a biodegradable uh, compostable sanitary pad. In terms of our uh, journey in the industry, we're still very new in the industry. It's been just a couple of years, like 2018 is when we developing our first uh, prototype. 2019 is when we launched our first ever product in the market. And then 2020, the whole world shut down due to COVID. And then it gave us pretty much two years. We sort of went into hibernation and then uh, working on developing the product. And finally, we fast forward to 2022. We have now installed our first production line of sanitary pads. Very nice machine, uh, Italian line fully automatic, is capable of producing around a million pads per day. So 
now with that we are ready to enter uh, not only in the indian market but also we are hoping to expand globally as well but currently uh, for the next couple of quarters our focus is uh, heavily going to be on the the indian market it's very exciting going from uh yeah just starting up what yeah a couple of years ago to now trying to expand outside of india and i'm sure there are many many challenges there yeah. attest to and um, definitely see i mean uh, in terms of you know uh, the journey like we pretty much put everything on the line here and i'm i'm not even joking you know like i'm talking about my house like everything i like we are crazy believer in the sustainability and we are actually dedicated like next 30 to 40 years of our like we have actually planned you know like so i'm still uh, more of a vision and the long term guy and uh, hetal she is more into the number and details you know so like we are pretty much like this year next year five years 10 years and up to like 35 years is the journey that we're looking at because it's a ambitious goals you know like as we go into more talking about more like there is a lot that we have planned but as you mentioned the journey has been very exciting so far i'm sure but i'm sure it's a great combo to have the kind of visionary and and that high level view but also the very detailed view of we have to meet our our goals and these numbers and and keep, no, no, keep the books yeah, yeah. a great combo so I also like to ask all of our guests what they enjoy most about working in the industry and I'm really interested to hear your perspective as someone who's only been in the industry for, you know, a couple of years and and is on the the product side and the product development side and so what have you found most interesting or most exciting about working in this industry? Definitely. See, uh so so far, you know, we've had the privilege of working only with mainly with the suppliers. now slowly we are getting into the understanding the industry players meeting the other industry leaders as well but so far you know if we look at the first couple of years of our journey it was mainly about discussing with some of the suppliers and uh, the suppliers so far like they are uh, you know trying to help as much as they can in the sustainability space because everybody's trying to do their part and trying to develop innovative products but again it's been a journey of identifying the suppliers who are willing to go that extra mile for the raw material because when we look at the conventional products versus a sustainable product there is a lot of challenges not just from the product development point of view but also the uh, supplier point of view when they manufacture or they make the raw materials and then to they turn that from their raw material to our raw material but uh, so far they've been very friendly and you know very helpful and then we've uh, attended one conference so far uh, that pretty much uh, uh, a lot of major industry players came in right after covid i think it was the first one on one conference held in delhi that's the first major industry introduction that i've had uh, or the exposure where we've met a lot of people that i pretty much you know as a newcomer i didn't know that they existed so it was a more of a, a, like an introduction to what the industry is what the people are like what who the players are the suppliers machine uh, manufacturers as well as some of the brand leaders so just uh, two to three months ago was the first industry event that i attended and that has given me a very positive overlook what the industry is is going towards so everybody's open to uh, uh, you know what it was like 5 years ago in terms of sustainable products like it has like i can literally feel that people are at least uh, you know changing their mindset and going in that direction so that was a good boost for me as well as well as a whole team that you know at least the uh, the step that we were taken into we were going in the right direction and everybody was very supportive very helpful you know and very excited that okay at least people are trying uh, to be aggressively going towards the sustainable products manufacturing side of it Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's uh <laughs> we get that a lot just kind of the the evolution of the industry, how willing suppliers are to help not only each other but also, you know, the producers like you and, you know, there's clearly incentive to do that as well, but it is an industry that is for sure big on partnerships and big on relationships 
and being able to, to, you know, help each other advance. And um, as you said, the, the transition to sustainability and the focus on that, it's, I would say everyone is trying to learn as we go. Some players are further ahead. Some players are not as far ahead. But I know at least from our perspective, we're doing our best to try and learn, but also teach other people in the industry what we're learning. And so that's, yeah, definitely one, one of the things I appreciate about the industry is a lot of people in here that are willing to, to help each other out and, you know, pass along information that we've learned so that we can all kind of progress on a similar path. Definitely. Um, so as I mentioned at the beginning, the reason we invited you here today is to discuss the menstrual health and period care market in, in India in particular. So want to start by kind of level setting the audience, making sure everyone's kind of on the same page. Can we start with, uh, you know, helping us understand the menstrual health and period care market in India in terms of size and, and potential and, you know, some of the product use and product popularity? For sure. Let's just put things into perspective when uh, by first uh, putting the global scenario in the, in, into place, right? So if you look at the global hygiene care market, you know, we're looking at uh, uh, roughly 530 billion units. Out of that, around half of it, so around 54% of it, it is a, a period care market. So we're looking at around 190 billion units. And when we look at uh, Indian uh, market, it is around 5% of the 300 billion uh, units. So we're looking at around 14 to 15 billion units in India. The interesting thing is when we look at the growth or, or what people are estimating, you know, so if we fast forward to, let's say, by 2026, it is estimated that the the industry will grow by around 11%, so another 30 billion units will be added. And out of that, almost half of it, so 15 billion units, are expected to be added uh, from the Indian market. So looking at the Indian market right now is uh, standing at around 14 billion units, and then uh, adding another uh, uh, 15 billion units or so in just uh, five years as we're talking at 100% growth. You know, So this is a big potential in the market. And there's a lot of reasons for that as well. There is a lot of initiatives from the government side, uh, from the Indian uh, in terms of awareness, income growth. So there is a lot of things that are going in the right way for this big jump to happen in the next couple of years. If you look at the numbers, you know, a couple of years ago when I started just in 2018, 2017, I used to hear in the, in the industry, like the figures used to be 12 to 15 percent of the menstruators have access to these products. And then just uh, in the couple of three to four years, this figure now I'm hearing from the latest surveys, it's about 30 to 35%. So we're looking at just in the three to four years, these figures are changing dramatically, you know, and if you're looking at the population demographics as well, you know, out of around 350 million menstruating women, according to most surveys, it's about 36% women or menstruators have access to pads. And when we look at, uh, you know, in the next couple of years, when we expect it to double, so there is a huge, you know, gap to be addressed in the market as well. And whether it's uh, uh, from a standpoint of uh, just accessibility, but also there is a huge gap because the more people start using these products, the more uh, plastic pollution, there is a different challenges that we'll have to address, you know. So that is where the sustainability comes into place, you know, that how can we, uh, you know, maybe redesign the product or redesign some of the ingredients while not compromising on the performance, but also, you know, addressing these millions of tons of waste that will be generated, you know, as more people start using these products. And uh, looking at, you know, like the types of product that are being currently used and in the uh, what I think the direction might go in is uh, so right now, most of the people uh, 
are currently using sanitary pads due to a number of reasons, either whether it's cultural reasons or a small proportion might be because of health reason. But anything that, uh, like tampons are not really popular in India at this point because uh, anything that might be inserted into the body, it, it has cultural limitations. Slowly people are uh, open to adapting new products as well. But uh, as of now, the uh, vast majority of the menstruators in India are, are still using uh, sanitary pads or they prefer using sanitary pads as this has been the most popular choice of products, you know. And then one of the interesting thing I learned as, as a guy as well, that, uh, you know, when we we're doing a lot of surveys, we found out that, you know, a menstruator uh, pretty much uses the same product that was introduced to them at the very beginning when they got the first uh, periods, like whether it's by their sibling or their mother. And then the, the switch very rarely happens because, you know, it's, it's that trust, that uh, intimacy, that if you are attached to one product or one brand, you're not really easily going to shift that perception unless you do uh, a little bit of uh, searching and then either you are uh, looking at other alternatives or if you're having for example, in my wife's case, you know, like the, one of the reasons where we uh, started this company is also she personally experienced many uh, issues with rashes and irritation, you know, so that is what that was one of the reasons where we wanted to explore, you know, what are the alternatives that we can use. So there are many reasons. So if the first challenge right now is the accessibility, then after that, like, you know, sustainability is, is a still emerging market. But uh, that's why we picked sanitary pad compared to a lot of other sustainable alternatives, which are still at a very early stage in India. Yeah, I think it's great that, you know, it, even with the very rapid and necessary growth in the market that companies like yourself and, and consumers there are demanding these sustainable products because that's, I think it could be easy for a market like India to say, we're going to get the most amount of products out there as possible. Most likely the easiest and most affordable way to do that is mm-hmm. through plastics and, and the, you know, the current plastic products on the market. But there are companies like yours and, and others that are stepping up and saying, no, we can meet a need here with with sustainable products and, you know, giving credit to the consumers there. There are plenty of consumers there that that want that and, and recognize Definitely. that that's not a, a long term solution and, and that they want those options to be able to use menstrual products that are environmentally friendly. So I think that that's great. And yeah, you talked about the use of pads and, and the popularity there. And that's something that, that I had heard as well. And, and we, we heard it in um, some previous episodes. And, you know, that's not unique to India by any means. But um, it certainly it shows you some of the hurdles that companies that aren't producing pads or, or some of these other more sustainable, you know, not more sustainable, but other sustainable options, whether it be menstrual cups or discs mm-hmm. could face not just from maybe uh the products being new or novel and, and unfamiliar, but just cultural challenges. I think that that's really, really interesting and something that I'm sure brands are not scrambling, but certainly trying to figure out and, and talk to people in the market and figure out how you can kind of overcome that challenge because it's um, those cultural ties and, and cultural influences are, are incredibly challenging to, to, to get past at times. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of work to be done just from the awareness point of view as well. So like uh, sustainability is one aspect of the multi-dimensional challenges that we you know have to uh, consider especially for uh, uh, when you're addressing social cultural taboos you know so this is definitely it's a multi-dimensional challenge that we'll have to address absolutely so before we we dive into some of the consumer preferences if you will um and and what they are looking for outside of you know we talked about sustainability i was wondering if you could touch on you know some of the the brands that are popular there just for people who aren't familiar with the indian market and and are wondering you know what what products are popular and and what are consumers used to 
let's hope I don't get into trouble by naming the brands, but I'll try to be as discreet as possible. So just like any other market in the in the industry or world, but you know, there are uh, how shall I put it? They're the big guys, you know. So the the PNG and JNJ uh, and KC. So the the top three uh, players globally are also unsurprisingly they are still the biggest players in India as well. So when we're looking at 75 to 80 percent of the market is dominated by the uh, global industry leaders. And uh, so when we look at the current penetration in the market as well, so when we look at the Indian domestic producers, so we are looking at a, a very small proportion of uh, the entire Indian market that is currently catering to the customers. And out of that, when we look at the sustainable uh, products manufacturer, at, uh, when we look at the large scale manufacturing where you will have a, a production line that can make a significant impact, I believe we will be the we are the first one in the industry in this space uh, at this scale. There are a lot of smaller players that are uh, operating smaller scale machineries, uh, whether developed in-house or uh, through uh, a third party, low speed manufacturing. Uh, with that, there are uh, limitations in terms of the volume they can address. So when we look at the size, when we're looking, when, when we're looking at 15 billion units of products to be made or to be catered to, you know, like even addressing 1 million pads, even if you are operating at full capacity 24-7, you're still going to just put a little dent into the market, you know, so it's a big market where you need scale and uh, volume to actually make a significant impact. So in terms of the uh, conventional products market, you know, I, I would say Whisper Always, which is in India, they stay free. There are uh, other similar uh, uh, brands that are leading worldwide. So that are present, obviously, and they are still covering uh, 70 to 80 percent of the market in India. There are uh, other domestic brands as well. Which is, there is Nine, there is uh, Furry, there is uh, Nobel Rio. So there are domestic players as well. They're slowly getting into the market. They are understanding the raw material. They're understanding the... And there are people who are coming up with 10-line, 15-line projects as well. So the industry dynamics uh, is going to change perhaps in the future. But uh, at this point, it's still dominated by the global industry leaders. And when we look at the uh, sustainability side of it... Uh, very handful of players are there. And then, then there is another category, which is sort of, I like to call it as a hybrid sustainability, hybrid green category, where either they're using, the product is sort of categorized into the sustainable side, but uh, they will have like one layer of uh, a cotton and then still be using plastic bag sheets. So this is the category that confuses the most to the customer. And that is where we need to be more, uh, uh, you know, focus on the awareness part of it that, you know, we pretty much focus on, you know, spreading awareness about uh, consumer must ask at least what goes inside the product when they are categorizing the sustainability side of it. You know, like so there are many challenges, you know, from not just uh, about letting customer know about the sustainability, but also letting them know that the product that they are buying, thinking that it's sustainable, it is actually sustainable or not. Yeah, that education challenge is certainly not. I mean, it, it's everywhere. You know, it's yeah, trying to make sure and and. I'm not sure you see it a ton in our industry, at least I haven't, but I mean, certainly, you know, greenwashing is a problem um, and not just in India, but, but everywhere. And, you know, so it's something that brands are fighting and, and consumer, you know, awareness groups are, are fighting and, um, and, and, you know, as someone like you who is offering a sustainable product, you know, you have to fight that as well to, you know, to make sure that you don't get lumped into with companies that, you, that are doing things the right way or whatnot. And again, not, Certainly not accusing anyone in the in the hygiene no, industry of doing that. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, you see a lot of you know the companies in our industry trying to say like you know percentage of of a biosource product or thing or mm -hmm. uh, materials or things like that. But yeah, it's that consumer education piece, and and we'll we'll dive into some of the other sides of consumer education in, in India in a bit. But 
that's another piece of it is just the the products themselves and and the sustainability side of things. So yeah, sounds like no no shortage of challenges there. So so what happens is you know when the customer looks at the product, right? Like uh, they compare your product directly to another product. You know when you look at sustainable products, so they'll be like, okay, there is two to three options available, right? And they look at your product. Why is it more expensive? Like they're trying to make so much money out of me, you know, but it's not like because because we're trying to be authentic. We're trying to make sure that the raw material that we use is actually is inside the product. You know what we say it is. So that is what comes, you know, the third party certification. It adds to the cost, right? So when we compete uh, against somebody who is not being, uh, you know, truly ethical in terms of what they are putting in the product, it is it is a challenge. You know, that is why we like on our website as well, we are putting like this layer has these many certifications. This is the layer that we are using. This is the layer that we're using, you know, so even as you mentioned, the, the bio-based content, you know, so if there is, as long as they're uh, presenting standardized certification from recognized bodies, I think that that pretty much levels the uh, competition field. But uh, until then, you know, the consumer doesn't really understand because as a manufacturer, as a raw material supplier, I mean, people really know the who the credible uh, certification bodies are, you know, how do you can uh, justify, you know, authenticity of the product, but uh, a consumer, like for them, if somebody just claims it's a, it's a sustainable, you know, it's they're not really, the price tag will also have its own weightage, you know, and then they're like, okay, it just makes your life a bit more easier. And then that, that is where the awareness uh, comes in, as you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, something we talked about with uh, previous guests on our, our show as well, just finding ways to get consumers to look past the the price tag. And certainly the amount of internet access is, is helping with that. And, and consumers are, are doing a lot more research and trying to learn more about products and making sure, particularly, you know, hygiene products that are coming into contact with very intimate and personal areas. They want to make sure that those, you know, are meeting their own standards. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's a challenge. It's a, it's a challenge. And we, we definitely hear about that from not only many guests on the podcast, but many or you know, many, many people in the industry across the board. Yep. So we started to touch a little bit on, on what consumers are, are expecting, but yeah, I just want to kind of dive a little deeper on what are consumers looking for from their products, particularly from their, their period care products, and how are these needs or customer demands differing across demographics, whether it be age or, or regions within India, or, or, you know, you already mentioned the income and challenges around that. So yeah, what are consumers looking for? We can divide this market into, let's say, uh, two segments, you know, like we will talk about the, or we can consider, you know, like majority of the market is still highly price sensitive. So when we are still addressing the issues of uh, accessibility, you know, uh, we are at 35% of usage in the market. So there is still a lot of uh, uh, focus still on the price and accessibility. So when, when we're looking at rural population, uh, we're looking at people with not uh, as high disposable income as, as uh, other groups. Still, majority of the market is still uh, price sensitive. But then there are very rapidly emerging a group of people, uh, young millennials. And surprisingly, you know, around uh, uh, 50%, like half the population is around 30 years of age or below. So we're looking at a lot of uh, young consumer who are saying that, you know, I actually have heard uh, one of our customers, like, I, I deserve to pamper myself with a quality product, you know. So this is the mindset that is changing, you know, like, if it's, if they're going to spend, let's say, uh, two to 300 rupees, like, in, in, in dollars, you know, like, a couple of bucks at Starbucks, you know, they, they, this is how the comparison they're doing, you know, like, so we, it's like, I deserve this, you know, this is, it's a gift for myself. So this is the mindset that is slowly changing. So when we're looking at uh, a young uh, Millennials, Gen Z, uh, people uh, moving into the urban areas, uh, uh, metro cities. So this this is where our major market is. 
purchasing uh, lotly, uh, a lot from the online D2C channel. So there uh, people, uh, menstruators who are willing to, um, uh, you know, not looking at the price tag as the decision-making uh, matrix. And also sustainability is, is on their uh, list of priorities when they make the purchasing decision. This group is slowly changing. And uh, in the last couple of years, as we see the usage of products has uh, increased exponentially. And with that uh, accessibility, the number of people who are actually preferring to use the sustainable products with the awareness, uh, it is also increasing very rapidly. So it sounds like it's that the combination of high standards for themselves and and obviously that comes with the ability to have you know the disposable income there combined with i guess high standards for the planet or you know the the environment if you will um for so sure. those two things at least yeah. for also, your like when you look at the health point of view right like there is many like uh, we have had many uh, uh, gynecologists they recommended our products like we actually didn't know like one of the customers said, my gynec recommended your product, you know, so it is about uh, somebody was allergic to uh, some of the components in the, uh, whether it's fragrance or uh, it's super absorbance but, or something, you know. So pretty much there is a, a shift from health point of view as well, you know, because it has, uh, and the word of mouth is the biggest, uh, most effective way of, you know, spreading the awareness. So like there, there have been customers there was like, okay, we want to thank you. Like this is the first time in my life I didn't get a rash, you know. So we are, when you get these type of feedback, you know, you can see that it's, much more than just you know another sustainable product because when you actually use a product without a lot of chemicals or other uh, ingredients you know it, it has effect on the health as well and and the user uh, uh, the feels that you know so when they start talking to their friends families as i was mentioning earlier you know like if somebody uh, if your friend or your sibling if they introduce you to the product you know it's pretty much like your customer retention ratio like for now it's we have come to a point where we are expanding our pool because uh, there was a point where we were growing at early stage. It was 100% customer retention. So people who are buying the product, they, it's like they're coming back. And then we are slowly, uh, as we are expanding the, uh, you know, our reach and the, the analytics is changing slowly. But uh, we are uh, uh, seeing is people who switch to sustainable, they are very highly not switch back to the conventional product. Yeah, that, that's great to hear. I'm sure it's also great to hear that there are people you are unaware of out there that are recommending the products. I'm sure that's always a nice little, a little tidbit. I'm curious if uh, your target audience, your target consumers are, are really kind of the, the urban or mostly urban. Are there any need, like need differences for maybe more rural menstruators in India that do the consumer needs change at all as you move from kind of an urban environment to a rural environment in India? Because, uh, see, uh, uh, first of all, uh, we'll have to look at it from a couple of uh, perspectives. You know, like first, if we look at the accessibility and the availability, you know, so if we look at the distribution network. So as I was mentioning, like we are currently the biggest player in, in industry and we still haven't penetrated through the rural uh, areas. You know, we're still focusing on the, the major cities where we're still establishing our like we launched a product last month. So we're looking at a very early stage in the industry, you know, so like there are people who like it's it's crazy, like it's uh, to a point how much ingrained some brands name have become in people's mind. Like they don't ask for sanitary pad, you know, they say, OK, give me give me always or give me give me whisper. It has identified with the product itself. So when it's present in every small village in the far corner, far remote area. So when you look at the distribution and penetration and the product awareness, People, for them to make a switch, like they must at least know that it exists, right? And it must be available. So there are multiple challenges uh, just from the distribution and the penetration point of view where uh, that is where when we talk about the uh, online market, which is uh, becoming huge in India, like it's, I think, 
uh, India will, I think, surpass the user of internet and mobile phones, I think, more than in more than the U.S. in the next couple of years. So when we look at the population with access to phone, smartphone, and just shopping online, with Amazon being huge in India. So like people are, uh, like that has, uh, you know, expanded the penetration of market. So we don't have to have be present in the physical store, but if somebody likes a product, looks at the review, they'll just place an order, you know. So, so that has increased our reach, but just from the uh, bricks and mortar and then, the second part that I'll come in is is the uh, awareness and the cultural part of it. When we look at the online, placing the order online, there's still a group of population that feels comfortable is again, uh, you know, comes down to the same bracket of uh, customer segment that we were initially discussing. So it's urban areas where independent people who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, in a higher income bracket. So like we have had inquiries where when, some, when they place an order online, they're like only deliver your product between this much and this much time. So my dad won't be there to receive the product. So like there's still a lot of issues in terms of awareness. And then that is why people are still in uh, rural areas. They're still highly likely to purchase a product uh, from a physical store. So they don't have to rely on somebody looking at uh, what is coming. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's still there. So like even you'll see that, you know, when you go uh, a little further from the urban cities to rural areas, like it's uh, like if you are going like if you came to India for the first time and you'd be looking at a transaction happening, you know, between uh, a shopkeeper and, and a customer, like they'll put it in a black bag. Like it's like they're not even showing that they, she's purchasing the sanity pad. And even the purchaser would ask the same thing or, you know, at least this is what we need to break. You know, then we talk about it's a natural process. It's the product that you're trying to use it for like any other product, you know. So this is one of the reasons where uh, why it's still, you know, looking at the penetration uh, from urban uh, to rural, you know. So that is where like we are starting off with people who are comfortable uh, ordering products online or who are more aware. They understand the health benefit, the environmental benefits. And then slowly, as uh, uh, more people get convinced, uh, the word spreads. And we are also focusing a lot on spreading awareness. So we are doing a lot of awareness campaigns. We are doing a lot of uh, in-person seminars, even in rural India. You know, because so when we look at the rural parts, you know, our focus shifts slightly from purely sustainability to simply just awareness. You know, because when we go to these, now, you know, we work a lot with a lot of NGOs about spreading awareness. And so we always uh, bring a, a gynecologist or, or a doctor who can actually uh, discuss about many things that, uh, uh, you know, uh, menstruators are not aware. Because if you look at like uh, one of the shocking statistics is 70% of the menstruators only find out about periods when they get their first period, right? So this is the number that we are dealing with right now. So like when we look at uh, rural areas, the challenge changes because there first it's accessibility, awareness, how to manage your period safely and hygienically. Uh, you know, even if they're using a, a reusable pad, you know, making sure that it is, uh, they're drying it properly in open sunlight, you know, so it doesn't uh, remain damp and, you know, causes infection. Because, again, so even with reusable products, you know, like we are trying to uh, spread awareness, like because there is a lot of, when you look at the affordability, reusable products become more of a uh, the preferred option. And that is where uh, hygiene, cleanliness, awareness, uh, you know, again, there another challenge is, you know, when you dry it out in the sun, again, it comes to a point where uh, mentioners are not really, comfortable drying it out in the open and, you know, people seeing what they're drying. So it's a very complex challenge as soon as you, uh, you know, grow from the urban population that is more aware, more uh, educated. And then as you move towards the tier two, tier three cities, uh, that is where the challenge uh, slightly transforms, where we actually have to teach them what the sanitary pad is, how to use it. And then 
from that, uh, you know, in the next couple of years, I think that's why when I said in the beginning, you know, it's a it's a 30 year journey that we have planned. It's, it's not like we will be able to do it uh, tomorrow. So first is uh, educating people about the environmental aspect who have the access. So uh, the 36 percent of the population who's already using sanitary pads, we are targeting those that, OK, what you are using, how it will uh, affect the environment, how it will affect your health. And at the same time, the journey is still going from 36 to 90, 95 percent, like most uh, other countries. Uh, that uh, in its own is another challenge that uh, where first we'll have to at least let people know what the product is, how to use. And so hopefully in the next uh, decade or so, we'll be able to at least uh, have people will have access to sanitary pads and then we'll uh, take it to the next level. Yeah. You mentioned that 36 percent. And I'm just curious. Are you seeing other products beginning to grow in popularity? Uh, you mentioned some of the the cultural taboos around tampons, and I'm sure that you know menstrual cups and, and menstrual discs are you know are, mm. are are facing those same challenges. But is there, are you seeing penetration of those in the market? Yes, yes. yes. So uh, when we look at the, see tampons, not so much, uh, but definitely menstrual cups, menstrual cups, discs. I'm not. I wouldn't say that it's uh, still gotten a lot of penetration, but menstrual cups. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of new uh, companies, new startups trying to spread awareness about uh, menstrual cups and reusable cloth pads are also uh, slowly gaining popularity. But again, all these products are uh, still targeting a very niche market for now, because even in the sustainability uh, sector, you know, like we are talking about if out of 36, let's say a small portion of it is uh, using sustainable sanitary pads, even a smaller percentage of it, like maybe one or two percent, I think, would go for, uh, uh, you know, menstrual cup or uh, uh, reusable cloth pads. And that is, again, comes with convenience, comfort, personal choice, preference. So still like for the uh, sustainable products that are, uh, you know, reusable, the, the market is uh, at the moment is very small. It is growing, uh, but the preference is still uh, pretty much about sanitary pads because just it's familiar. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. And certainly the challenges we talked about in, in growing that type of business and not just getting a product in front of them, but making sure that they're aware and the benefits and education and all that. That's a, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, <laughs> I don't envy you. That's, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's, so see challenges bring opportunities, right? So that is how you look at it. So there is a lot of work to do, but then uh, you'll have to start somewhere, right? So it's, uh, there is a yeah. big uh, uh, scope that somebody needs to do. And, and there are a lot of startups that are uh, doing amazing job, you know, so like we are also one of them and then it's a, it's a collaborative effort. So, like it's it's not that you know we are the only one and we are doing it the best possible way. There is a it's, it's a community of people that are trying to do what is best, whether it's about spreading awareness about menstrual cups or reusables, anything that is uh, you know working towards a, a collective goal of reducing the plastic pollution is pretty much the the overall uh, goal that we're all working towards. So it is slowly changing for sure. I mean, from the consumer point of view as well as. Uh, uh, because new companies uh, only come in the segment when they see that the consumer's demand is there. So this is my optimism talking, but I think in the next couple of years, we will see a big shift. Uh, yeah, I definitely agree there just based on what I've learned and what you're telling me, like there will definitely be a shift. Yeah, in the coming years, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So there you have it. You now have a nice introduction to the period care market in India and all of that context will prepare you for our next episode, where Chirag will be back to discuss some of the challenges producers are facing in the market. Attached to Hygiene is brought to you by Bostic and is hosted by me, Jack Hughes. It is produced and edited by me, 
with the help of Paul Andrews, Michelle Takovitz, Emery Chernis, and Nikki Ackerman at Green Onion Creative. Our theme music is by Jonathan Boyle. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our guest today, Chirag Virani. You can follow Chirag and his wife Hetel on LinkedIn and follow Sparkle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.